The Zone. On the job till the cows come home. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Well, and it looks like our weather folks are going to be on the job for quite a little while, at least the next 48 hours or so. Morning, everybody. Fabulous Farm Bay Pam Yonke. Glad to be back along with you. Thank you to so much to uh, Charity Seebecker, Stephanie Hoff for holding down the fort over the past few days so that I had a chance for a little bit of a family break up at the farm. Uh, now back to business, and boy, we'll get started with a bang today weather-wise. So everybody under a winter storm advisory this morning. It's going to last well into Wednesday. Some of the snow precipitation is expected to be very measurable, north of 8 inches. We'll find out about specifics when Stu Muck, our ag meteorologist, joins us in about 15 minutes. What I can tell you is daytime highs today are expected to be right around 34 degrees. It's not just the snow, it's the gusty winds we're going to have to watch out for today. Up to 24 miles an hour or better. Might even get gusts near 40 miles an hour. Again, 100% chance of snow for today. Tonight will drop down to 27. Tomorrow it looks like we've got another pretty good chance of at least a little snow in the morning. Then it should taper off. Daytime highs on Wednesday around 31 degrees. Then pretty manageable but cold the rest of the week. Thursday 27, Friday 27 with more snow in the forecast. Like I said, Stu will paint us a little bit more vivid picture on that weather. Joining us in about 15 minutes. Also joining us this morning, John Heinberg, Market Advisor with Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend. Stick around. This is Mike. Hey. He's getting a quick haircut at the local barber school. It's only five bucks. How bad can it? Oh! Yikes. Don't be like Mike when it comes to weed control. Get the job done right the first time and plan ahead with Status Herbicide. It delivers elite corn safety and reliable performance, so you don't have to deal with more problems than you bargained for. No, 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 no. Status Herbicide from BASF. Always read and follow label directions. You know, one of the bright spots we're looking forward to in 2024 is involving transportation for Wisconsin agricultural goods. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Farm Director Pam Yonke. Before the holiday break, I had an opportunity to head on over to the Port of Milwaukee, where the DeLong Company, along with state and federal investments, are helping to get agricultural products moving internationally from the Port of Milwaukee. Brandon Bickham can tell you all about it. He's the head of exports for the DeLong Company, and really their Port of Milwaukee facility is kind of his baby. I started off finding out a little bit more about Brandon's background and how he sees business developing for the Port of Milwaukee. Well, you know, I'll start maybe in reverse. I've been with DeLong's a little over 17 years. Grew up on a corn and soybean farm in north-central Nebraska, and that's my story. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And the, now the world is your oyster, quite literally. When did you really get engaged and excited about what the DeLong Company, the city of Milwaukee, state of Wisconsin was talking about on this, ex, on this port project? Well, you know, four years ago, the Port of Milwaukee invited us to come up and just tour the port. Just, you know, if you have any ideas, let's, let's take a look around and see what's available. So we did. Um, we started thinking about, you know, what potential the port may have. And, and that's really what kicked this whole thing off. And then <clears throat> the port was instrumental in coming up with ideas to help fund the project, um, what, what property was available, all those things. So really, about four years ago um, was the catalyst. So you're a landlocked Nebraska guy that now is working on water arteries. What have you learned? Tell me a little bit about what that learning curve's been like. Well, you know, over the last 17 years, uh, I've been involved in DeLong's export program. So... 
Um, you know, you get a lot better at geography, amazingly. But, uh, you know, we've been exporting corn, soybeans, wheat, uh, feed grains to Asia for, you know, the last 25 years. And it's just in the last four, we've been exploring this market in Northern Europe, North Africa, Middle East. So, you know, it's, it's kind of applying things you already know to, to new markets, new modes of transportation. So, you know, it's, it is different, but it's really the same too. Right. What does the Port of Milwaukee offer that people at first glance aren't going to think about? Well, I think, number one, the Port of Milwaukee wants to grow. They want new tenants. Um, they appreciate Wisconsin agriculture. Uh, they appreciate what the DeLong Company can bring to this. And they've really walked with us hand in hand over the last four years to bring this uh, project to fruition. Mm -hmm. Now, what did you find critical as far as components for a successful launch on something like this? It's not unusual to see, you know, back in the day, grain was coming in. It's just that it's been a long time since that industry was vibrant again. Tell me what were some of the critical investments that had to be made to make this viable. You know, number one, the largest thing we had to do differently than other Great Lakes ports is we had to build a facility that could handle feed, feed products, DDGs, soybean meal, byproducts mm -hmm. of the processing industry in this country. Mm. You know, 70 years ago, we were exporting whole grains to Europe. Mm. Now we're exporting more feed products. And, and the, old, the old system, the old elevators are really not designed to do that. So that was the number one thing we wanted to do different. And, and as you saw today, that's what we did. Absolutely. Now tell me a little bit about the, just the system today. Brandon and I were talking a little bit about the challenges we're facing right now, just trying to move anything, be it rail car, semis or waterways tell me how you're analyzing from a day-to-day week-to-week basis how you're handling that well the unique thing about the DeLong company is that we are still very involved in the container business um, which is the biggest place is Chicago for that so we can look at all of these different origin points destination points and we can pick the best mode of transportation the best way to to market that grain so the farmer gets the best return mm-hmm and, and that's really what we do every day. We're a grain company on the door, but logistics is really what we're looking at. Yeah. And, and there's always challenges. Uh, and, and that's really what we come to work every day to solve. Right, yeah. Well, and that's the other thing after seeing the facility on the Port of Milwaukee is it's only a holding spot. You guys don't want product being there for very long because, as you said, logistics are get it in, get it out. Tell me where most of the product that the Port of Milwaukee's facility will turn is going, and how is it getting there? Well, the number one destinations will be North Europe, North Africa, uh, the Mediterranean, and Middle East. Those will go by bulk vessel, um, you know, 30,000 deadweight tons, size ship. Um, currently, we're because the seaway is closed, the locks and dam system, we will be exporting barges to uh, New Orleans to go out and most of that grain will end up in Asia. So that's, that's really, our two markets will be Asia and Europe. What's, have you had anxious moments with water levels? Uh, that is in the news all the time. Here we sit in December, mid-December, and we don't have snow on the ground. Tell me a little bit about how you're maneuvering around water levels. Well, you know, especially the river system has had a bit of a, an issue the last couple of years with water levels. I would say a substantial issue, actually. Um, that's one of the things the Great Lakes provides yeah. us another, you know, outlet through the St. Lawrence Seaway. But, but like I said, we are also loading barges that are going to use that system. But it is a concern. 
I think for years you go along and, well, it just works. It always has. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with the, the, the water problems in uh, the Illinois River, the Mississippi, and now the Panama Canal, you know, there's a lot of things that are having to change to move our grain for export. Right. Are you seeing that pick up in conversation with the DeLong company? More people approaching, say, can you do this? Will you be able to do this? Like you said, right now the lock and dam system's closed, but already they're trying to get their place in line for when it reopens. Well, yes, we are, we are consistently fielding opportunities for lakes open. So April, um, as far as exports to Asia, you know, they're, when, you, when you can't go through the Panama Canal, you add 15 to 20 days transit, yeah. you know, via the different routes. Uh, you know, there's some real fear there. I think, you know, if we were in a really hot demand scenario, I think temperatures would be quite high and, and yeah. people would be very concerned. We're kind of just in a so-so demand. So people are, are cautious. They, they definitely want, op, you know, options to get their cargo. But, but no one is really on fire, I wouldn't say, at the moment. Now, what about some of the other support mechanisms? Rail cars, you've got a rail spur right next to your facility, not necessarily something that's important right now, but it's all about logistics again. And then ship availability. You mentioned barges that are going down the Mississippi via Chicago how about availability of those kinds of uh, modes of transportation? Well, we'll start with the rail cars. Uh, you know, on the, the processed product side, which is mostly what we're going to receive here, DDG, soybean yep. meal, the actual production facilities own their own cars. So it's just about, you know, railroads bringing them in. The nice thing about Milwaukee compared to maybe what they've done traditionally is it's a much shorter route. Mm -hmm. So they get better use out of those cars. Mm -hmm. So they are actually very excited to have another option, you know, another market for their product. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, on the vessel side, it's been kind of a unique fall. We had the first um, seaway strike, I think, since 1968. So, you know, luck would have it that it was our first year. But, you know, we're getting through all that. We're finding ways. Um, as far as barge availability, it's been fairly good. So no issues there. Now, where is this facility going? I mean, it's beautiful right now. It's state-of-the-art. It's already got its first run through, let's say, Brandon. But what's on the horizon dependent on markets, I'm sure, and world economies. But tell me a little bit about where you're training your eye for the future. Well, you know, our thought process is we really want to grow our business in Europe, North Africa, MED. And we feel like we can do that because of the processed products we're able to offer. There's a tremendous amount of soybean crushing that is going to get built or capacity going to get built over the next few years. We're positioned for that very well. And, and, and kind of where I started, we're, we're able to handle these process products where others it's going to be more difficult for. And um, lastly, we've got a phase two for this facility where we're going to put some upright storage. So we can maybe, the thought process behind that is instead of a vessel of one commodity or two commodities, maybe we can add two or three, build these grocery type ships is what they're called in the industry. And, and really target maybe smaller feed mills and give them all the pieces they want or maybe more of the pieces instead of an incredibly large vessel of one commodity. And, and you know, that's even more important when we see 7 or 8 9% interest rates. When interest rates are 3%, you can afford to store it yep. a, lot, a lot easier. Um, when interest rates are high, people want to turn that product. So, so we're trying to really value add, give our customers something they haven't, haven't been able to get before. Now, we're talking about the Port of Milwaukee, which is something that's had history as a, a shipping port. 
a lot of buzz about, okay, come on, Superior, let's get online, let's improve you. Even Green Bay talking about improvements there. Are you confident that's a, do we have enough business for Wisconsin to turn those transportation arteries into viable business opportunities too? Well, you know, I'm not, I'm sure not an expert on the Port of Superior, but they, they, you know, they focus on wheat. There's some other opportunities for them, you know, depending on where it's going, what it's doing. I would say we could maybe work in tandem. Um, I'll go back to the grocery ship. Yeah. You know, we're not a great place to originate maybe some super high quality wheats that they raise in the Western Corn Belt, but, but they are. So maybe we can look at partnering mm. where we load part of the vessel with high quality wheat, mm. part of the vessel mm. with a feed ingredient. I think there's things to do together. You think there's value added in the Great Lakes again? Absolutely. There you go. Brandon Bickham, he's in charge of exports for the DeLong Company. Very excited about the business they see coming to the state of Wisconsin and going to the international marketplace, courtesy of the new Port of Milwaukee facilities. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Farm Director Pam Yonke. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Yonke. There goes Pam Yonke across Wisconsin in her suburban truck. Thanks to our equipment. Check out the affordable, efficient, versatile tractor lineup at our equipment and ask for Mr. Versatile Chunk Gill. Keep up with Pam at MidwestFarmReport.com and on Facebook at Fabulous Farm Babe, on Twitter at Fab Farm Babe, or by downloading the Midwest Farm Report app. You love your home. It's full of memories from the past and even more memories to be made. When you're ready to spruce it up, contact AF Construction. AF Construction will talk to you about your addition ideas, like a relaxing three-season sunroom or expanded living space. AF Construction, your local hands-on remodeling contractor, offering line item estimates and eye-popping results. For your free consultation, visit afconstructionllc.com. Get ready for a remarkable new look. Hall of Fame beef needs a Hall of Fame processor. And for me, that was Prem Meats. This is former Badger and Pro Football Hall of Famer Joe Thomas, excited to introduce you to Six Springs Farms Hall of Fame beef. We've put the pieces together, and for the first time ever in partnership with Prem Meats, my beef is available to people not with the last name Thomas. Premium marbling, tenderness, and legendary flavor from my family's farm to your table. Order your Hall of Fame beef now at SixSpringsFarms.com. You know when you've really made it? When you finally have your own place and you can decorate it the way you want. Your Aunt Betty used to sleep on that old couch. It's time to turn drab into fab with lazy luxury from Lazy Boy Furnishings and Decor. That chair, it belonged to the dog. Time to start styling. Lazy decorators love Lazy Boy. Lazy Boy Home Furnishings and Decor, Madison, East Springs Drive near East Town Mall. Pam is the name. Farm speak is the game. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Boy, and today everybody's speaking about the first winter storm that we've seen in Wisconsin. Again, like we said, it's, uh, what, the eighth day or ninth day of January, and now just uh, starting to get a, our legs under us as far as driving is concerned. Let's talk about it. Stumach, ag meteorologist joining us, and you know we knew it was coming. Uh, now today we get our first real Real taste of things. 
We're under a winter storm advisory, Stu. Right now, when I look out the studio windows, that's there's not a lot happening out there, but uh, it's on the way, huh? It is on the way. We've got a little covering all over, you know, just enough to cover out on my deck. That's what I hear. I got a couple of different reports here indicating like at Elkhorn, they say they have just over an inch on the ground already today. Depends how you measure it. But low pressure is down around Missouri. Yes, we had the advisory now. In just a short time, 6 a.m., the winter storm warning takes over for a good part of southern and eastern Wisconsin. The winter weather advisory further north from La Crosse and up toward Eau Claire in that area. That will follow in yet for later in the day. But I do anticipate there will be snow that does get a bit heavier. In fact, the weather radar indicating some more moderate snow in the far northeast corner of Iowa, just into western Wisconsin. Yeah, Prairie to Sheen up toward La Crosse. Snow a little heavier in that western and west central part of the state, if you will. And it's all going to push north and northeast during the day. So we are going to see more snow. Snow covering a good part of Iowa down to northern Missouri. Rain from into central and southern parts of Illinois into western Indiana. But I expect mostly we're going to talk about some snow in Wisconsin and with the winds a little more blowing and drifting as well. We'll have those forecast details right after this. At Compier Financial, we provide services based on your needs. So whether it's ag lending, crop insurance, or other financial services, or you're seeking industry expertise from a trusted advisor, we're here as a partner and member of your community that is defined by you. Contact your local Compier Financial team at 844-426-6733 or visit compierre.com slash you for your lending and other financial needs. Compier Financial is an equal credit opportunity lender and provider. Copyright 2022. All rights reserved. You hear that? That's the sound of Dairyland Seed bringing the yield bigger and better than ever before. We're talking our best corn of all time, our strongest silage lineup ever, and the greatest soybeans in our history. We're talking a full lineup of seed proven to outperform the competition once again in independent head-to-head trials. See the performance data for yourself at showmetheyield.com. That's showmetheyield.com. All right, buddy, everybody's hanging on your words this morning. Tell us what's coming up. All right, well, the winter storm morning kicks in, runs till uh, later tomorrow afternoon. Expect clouds and snow that could be heavy at times. Be some blowing snow as well during the day today. And we all should find our way into the 30s. Nobody warmer than 35. And winds out of the north, 10 to 20. They'll be gusting up around 30. Today, I'd say some snow amounts pretty easily up into the 3 to 6, maybe near 8 inches added to what we have. Overnight, still some snow around, trying to taper off somewhat, blowing and the like, falling into the mid-20s. How about that? Say 24 or so. And winds out of the northwest could gust near 30 and 30. Mostly cloudy Wednesday, only close to 30, and the northwest winds 5 to 15 become south. The next low builds in from the west, a little snow likely Wednesday night. Partly sunny Thursday, only upper 20s. West winds at 5 to 10. I'd say a little more snow, Pam, Thursday night, Friday, just to cover it up to wrap up the week. So what are we thinking out of this? Uh, What are the volumes that you're expecting? I, I yesterday really was pushing, especially eastern Wisconsin, 6 to 10. I think for a lot of us now, if we get 6, maybe 8, going to be difficult with a lot of blowing. So eastern Wisconsin more than western? That would be the way it had been looking, yes. All right. Well, we'll see what we got on the ground by tomorrow morning. Good enough. Thanks, buddy. All right. Take care. Stu Mutker, Ag Meteorologist, with the weather details you're looking for on this Tuesday morning. Like you said, 
Uh, we're going to have to kind of wait and see how this all plays out. Again, the talk text line looking for your response, 877-301-FARM. That's 877-301-3276. Let me know what's happening weather-wise in your backyard. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. The end of harvest, snow cover fields, and an early morning sunrise. Winter is a good time to evaluate your livestock's health. BioVet loves seeing healthy animals contribute to your farm's profitability. The knowledge and support from our team is here to help you make the difference in the health and productivity on your farm. Help your livestock stay healthy and call 1-800-BIOVET1 or visit bio-vet.com. Innovation. A good friend might tell you that your shoe's untied or, hey, you've got a bit of breakfast on the corner of your mouth. Well, a good friend will also share valuable insights about the scoop on money and energy savings. Like Benjamin Plumbing and their game-changing electric hybrid water heaters. Potential savings of up to three to four times a conventional water heater with current tax incentives up to $2,000. Benjamin Plumbing's electric hybrid water heaters go beyond being just a water heater. It acts as a dehumidifier for your basement, kicking musty odors, mold, and excess moisture to the curb. Eco-friendly and efficient, these electric hybrid water heaters will leave your wallet and our environment completely satisfied. Hi, Dale Benjamin with Benjamin Plumbing. When we say your plumbing problem is fixed, we mean it. No excuses, I guarantee it. Contact Benjamin Plumbing at BenjaminPlumbing.com. Now you've got a friend in the plumbing business. Benjamin Plumbing. Your healthcare journey in a hospital system can give you the heebie-jeebies. From navigating the parking garage to sitting in the crowded waiting room worrying about the results and cost. MH Imaging in Middleton performs MRIs, CTs, x-rays, and ultrasounds for a fraction of the cost of a medical system. And parking is just a few steps away. Results are available the same day, providing you with answers you need to know now. Visit mhimaging.com. Rural Mutual is the number one farm insurer in Wisconsin for a good reason. As a company founded by farmers, they understand the ag industry and its challenges. Local agents offer farm families the best advice and personalized coverage. Visit RuralMutual.com to find an agent near you. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family, and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you, too. Okay, how about tasting this stew and telling me what you think? Mmm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station. 
At Berkshire Automotive, we have a non-commissioned sales team, which is a polite way to say we don't really care whether you buy a practical Equinox, the rugged Silverado, or the speedy new Corvette. You've been told no before? Join the Bergstrom Automotive family for the yes. At Bergstrom Automotive, we teach our people to take no out of the vocabulary. Is no in your vocabulary? Uh, no. No isn't a thing at Bergstrom Automotive. Join the Bergstrom Automotive family for the yes. Join the Bergstrom Automotive family. This looks like a car. Has tires. Headlights, a hood. Windshield wipers. The doors look like car doors. Open like them too. There's a front seat, back seat, steering wheel. 99.9% .9 of the time, this would be a car. But it's not. This is a bedroom. Anita Washington's for five weeks. There are people like Anita all across Dane County. And because the need is there, so are we. This year, we'll provide Anita and other women, children, and men with nearly 20,000 nights of shelter. Just one part of more than $1.4 million in food, clothing, furniture, and other goods and services we provide. We're St. Vincent de Paul, helping our neighbors in need. The Bears put up a little more fight after the whistle was blown than they did when uh, you know play was on. They're a little chippy yesterday, man. How about this? I had a LOL at this one. Jaquan Brisker, Bears safety, said, quote, I felt like we could have tightened up on the receivers a lot more than we did today. We gave them too much room, and I really have no respect for them at all, just to be honest. Dude's talking smacked when the Bears got cooked for all 316 yards and two touchdowns by a bunch of, quote, nobodies. As he says, I don't respect them at all. Well, you don't have to respect them. They just dominated you, dude. How about, the, how about that quote from Jaquan Brisker, Rowdy? I really have no respect for them at all, just to be honest. Uh, DJ Moore also saying a couple weeks ago that they have a, a, a surprise in store for the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> the, the Packers own the Chicago Bears. They scored nine points. Nine points. Now, I will say this. If you're the Chicago Bears defense, you probably felt like you did a pretty decent job. I mean, think about it. You gave up 17 points. That's below the NFL average per game. And you even held them on multiple opportunities in that first half to no points. Yeah. As Packer fans, we're ripping our hair out. But as Bears fans, like the defense kind of did its job. It was the fact that the offense scored nine points. <sighs> Packers should have scored a lot more, the, by the way. The Barry boys held the Bears to nine points. Nine points. Now, Packers should have scored more. Um, there's that missed field goal by Anders Carlson. There was the uh, this, the ineptitude before halftime from Matt LaFleur and his uh, time management. I don't even know what the hell was going on there. Uh, and then the Packers uh, also, not, was it was it Musgrave trying to get out of bounds? or Kraft. Kraft trying to get out of bounds. I don't even know what that was. Like The Packers and trying to get to, to the sidelines in key clutch moments just kind of struggle a little bit. Uh, Patrick Taylor being the culprit two other times. But there was what? The Bo Melton that was almost a touchdown and the Romeo Dobbs that was almost a touchdown as well, Rowdy? Well, obviously, Romeo Dobbs wasn't a touchdown. He didn't survive the ground. He yeah. got knocked out. And me personally, I didn't think the Bo Melton catch was a touchdown. I get where they were coming from with the, uh, you know, he had it trapped on his leg. And then he kind of rolled over, kind of had to re-grip it because, I don't know, you saw movement. 
I, I thought that if he had done that exact same catch, but it was in the middle of the end zone, I thought it probably would have been a touch. First off, yeah. you know how they called it incomplete? Mm-hmm. And then they really quickly changed that and said, actually, it's a catch, and now we're going to review it. Yeah. Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> it was incomplete. Now we're going to call it a catch because it's a touchdown. But now because we called it a touchdown, we're going to review it. Uh, but anyways, I think... If he had done the exact same thing in the middle of the end zone, I think it would have been a catch. Yeah. Because the ball never hit the ground, in my opinion. The ball moved, and he had to readjust it in his hand. When it did that, his foot was still out of bounds. Yeah. Because he was in earlier when he had it trapped, but when it moved and then he retrapped it, his foot was out of bounds again. If he would have been in the middle of the end zone, the exact same thing happened. I think it would have... Been a touchdown. Yes. But so, because he was out the second time he had possession, I think they got that right. I think they got the DJ Moore catch wrong. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, Brentley, Brentley tweets in, good morning, Brentley. He says, the Packers didn't capitalize on everything, and it still uh, did feel like we were in complete control of that game. Time to ignite the Cowboys' fears of always losing in the playoffs. We have a real good shot of pulling an upset next week. Let's start a love train. Go, Pat, go. I mean, there was, uh, there was a couple moments where I was in question for the Packers, and then I remembered who they were playing as the Chicago Bears. It was at right before halftime when the Packers left some points off the board, and then when Jordan Love fumbled the ball, where I thought to myself, "Aye, the nut kick continuum is kind of leering its uh, is rearing its ugly foot to kick us in the goodies." Those are the only two times where I felt a little leery. Yeah, my biggest thing, and I've said this multiple times now, it was really just before halftime with the clock mismanagement and the fact that they left some points potentially out there on the field when it was still a seven to six game and it felt like it was up in the air in anybody's game. Other than that, though, the second half, once the Packers scored, it felt like there was going to have to be a colossal, a colossal, you know, just disaster for them to, to, to lose, except for when they fumbled. Then I go, oh, God, now we're relying on the Barry boys. And the Barry's boys stood up, and they stood up big. How about that for Joe Barry and that Packers defense? Yeah, I would say those are the only two times I was nervous. Who needs an alarm clock when you've got the farm, babe? Pam Yonke and the Farm Report. Oh, I'm sure everybody's going to be up and at them today just to watch what develops as far as the weather is concerned. That's where everybody's eyes seem to be trained this morning. We are under a winter storm advisory, if you hadn't already heard. It's going to run basically through the day today and into tomorrow morning. Measurable amounts of snow possible depending on where you are. You heard Stu Mock talking about it. 34 are expected high for today. Watch out for the winds out of the northeast. Up to 24 gusting to more than 40 miles an hour across the state. Uh, Tonight down to 27. Then tomorrow things start tapering off. Wednesday's highs around 31. A little colder on Thursday and Friday with 27 are expected high. Friday another chance of snow back in the forecast. I'm P.M. Yankee. Really glad you're along with us on this, the ninth day of January. What can I tell you? Let's see. On this day in 1768, a fellow by the name of Philip Astley opens the world's first modern circus. He actually was an equestrian that rode horses, had a riding school in London, but then after riding school, he'd perform tricks for an audience in the afternoon. And that's what they call the first modern circus. Started on this day back in 1768. On this day in 1861, 
the first shots of the American Civil War were fired. The steamer, Star of the West, was fired on by the Confederates as it tried to enter Charleston Harbor. That was on this day back in 1861. On this day, let's see, in 1959, the TV western Rawhide with Clint Eastwood premieres on CBS. And now you know. Well, like I said, everybody's talking about the weather this morning. doesn't matter what you do. I think a lot of our snowplow folks, a lot of our folks that uh, snowplow for others, happy to see the snow arrive finally. Uh, Farmers, to a certain extent, are happy to see the snow arrive as well. Why? Because it means moisture. Charity Seebecker had a chance to visit with Shane Hubbard, who is a researcher at the Space Science and Engineering Center on the UW-Madison campus. He said this storm that's coming in is bringing valuable moisture for the state of Wisconsin and hopefully helping to ease concerns about the drought this year. So again, here, here in southern Wisconsin and in northern Wisconsin, for the most part, we're at average. So we'd want to see those average uh, precipitation uh, amounts to come through um, in this early springtime so that we have nice soil moisture for the growing season and when we uh, start getting crops in the ground. Again, southwestern Wisconsin, we'd like to see some precipitation. We are going to have some chances for above normal precipitation in January, so that is good. And those um, should line up pretty well with where we have dry conditions. So hopefully that will ease the drought conditions that we have there. And then as we go through January, we really want to make sure that we see some additional precipitation because I think what we're seeing is the potential for drought conditions to develop again throughout most of Wisconsin as we get into May and June. And when we talk about the weather, it's usually always about predictions, what's ahead, but we also have to reference a lot of the past because that plays a role into it. Have you noticed anything in 2023's growing season that will impact us now moving into 2024? Well, yeah. I mean, thankfully, had we not received the precipitation we had in August and September and even into October, I think we'd be really struggling um, with um, precipitation totals and soil moisture. That late year, late season precipitation really, really helped us had we not received that. So again, in southwestern Wisconsin, they didn't. And so you can see the drought conditions over there and how that's going to play a role. Thankfully, in the rest uh, of the state, we did get that precipitation. And so that's going to help. So and if we think about La Nina, if you kind of look back to what happened in that previous um, winter, we had warmer conditions again, similar to El Nino, but we also had higher precipitation totals. And so if we do have drought this year, um, I would expect that toward the fall months and winter months this year, as we transition into La Nina, which is uh, forecasted, we would see a pickup in the precipitation so that our growing season the following year, so we're already looking into 2025, um, we could see the soil moisture return uh, back to normal. And as we know, in a global marketplace, what happens around the world really impacts our markets and commodities here in Wisconsin. So are there any weather trends or patterns that are impacting how we are transporting goods? So, so there's a really high relationship between El Nino and what happens in South America. And so in South America, we actually see similar conditions to what we see here. Um, we see drier conditions there. Uh, we tend to see warmer conditions there. And so yields generally go down. Uh, in South America. However, we see better growing conditions in places uh, in Europe. So Europe and Asia as well. And so in those areas where we have a lot of crops um, that are being sold, they tend 
tend to do a little bit better in those areas, while here in the sort of Western Hemisphere, our crops tend to do a little bit worse. And what other information can you offer potentially about what's happening around the world in terms of those weather seasons, whether that's the earthquake season, the hurricane seasons, those types of things that agriculture may need to be paying attention to? So it's interesting. You know, most people don't think hurricanes affect us here in Wisconsin, but they do. We do get some tropical systems. They're no longer hurricanes, right? I mean, we we don't have to worry about a hurricane coming through Wisconsin, but we do get the precipitation from those. And so during El Nino events, we tend to see fewer hurricanes, which would mean less impacts to Wisconsin from from the precipitation from those. However, during La Nina events, we see more hurricanes. And so a higher possibility that we would see one of these systems coming through here and giving us additional precipitation. So as we continue to watch the forecast, you know, hurricane season begins in November. La Nina starts in November. So any impacts that we might have from those hurricanes would be later in the year after the growing season is over, and they would help for things that might happen in 2025. Shane Hubbard, he's a research scientist at the Space Science and Engineering Center on the UW-Madison campus. Like you said, this is moisture, and hopefully it will ease some of the drought concerns that we've had around the state. But he said, keep an eye on what develops as far as weather beginning May and June. That could tip the hand on whether or not drought is still in the forecast. Innovation, that's BioVet. The end of harvest, snow-covered fields, and an early morning sunrise. Winter is a good time to evaluate your livestock's health. BioVet loves seeing healthy animals contribute to your farm's profitability. The knowledge and support from our team is here to help you make the difference in the health and productivity on your farm. Help your livestock stay healthy and call 1-800-BIOVET-1 or visit bio-vet.com. Innovation, that's BioVet. There goes Pam Yonke across Wisconsin in her suburban truck. Thanks to Wisconsin Farm Bureau, the state's largest general agriculture organization for over 100 years. Join now at WFBF.com and Equity Livestock Cooperative, marketing your livestock, financing your operation, and supporting the livestock community since 1922. Keep up with Pam at MidwestFarmReport.com and on Facebook and Twitter. Speaking of where we're going, Charity Seebecker is going to be at the Wisconsin Fair Association's annual convention tomorrow night for the announcement on the 2023 Fairest of the Fairs. Earlier this week, yesterday as a matter of fact, they recognized the winners of the Everybody's Got a Fair Story event. More than 50 entries submitted from across the state of Wisconsin, people sharing their stories that occurred at a county fair, a district fair, a state fair. Congratulations to the grand champion winner from Monroe County. Her name, Corey Blank from Cashton. Corey shared the story of how she got engaged at the Monroe County Fair. Congratulations. Like I said, that event continues through tomorrow evening. Markets and overnight electronic trade this morning, not real impressive. Yesterday in Chicago, as far as our dairy trade, barrel cheese gained four and a half cents to one forty-five and a half. 40-pound block cheese was up two and a quarter, 145 and three quarters. Double-A butter, though, down four and a half to 253 a pound. The Class 3 fluid milk for February this morning's up 12. 1586 March is up 14 at 1642. Currently, March corn's up a penny at 455. December new crop unchanged at 489. 
March soybeans are up two at twelve forty eight. November soybeans up four at twelve oh six. And July new crop wheat up three at six twenty a bushel. So what's happening with our markets this morning, and what do we need to prepare for? John Heinberg, market advisor with Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend, joining us live in just a moment. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. While being prepared is on the top of your priority list, add Englewood grass-fed beef as a key solution to your family's food supply. Englewood offers a broad range of options to deliver antibiotic and hormone-free beef from our farm to your table. Visit englewoodgrassfarm.com and click on the order page. Soon, you'll be stocked up on heart-healthy grass-fed beef. Englewood grass-fed beef, farming to promote the health of our animals and our family of customers. Goodman's Jewelers has been providing sparkle to Madison since 1933. That's a lot of great memories. John Hayes for Goodman's Jewelers. We've been caring for generations of customers, and during that time, our strengths have been trust, service, and selection. Those traits are who we are, and that will never change. Goodman's Jewelers, a destination worth reaching. 220 State Street, goodmansjewelers.com. The best is at Goodman's. Let our family help your family. This is Matt Gunderson, and this is Elmer, <laughs> our canine cuddle ambassador, here to provide good-natured, loving, fuzzy support to further our level of personal care. Someday you might meet Elmer as we assist you with an individual life celebration. Let our family help your family. Visit GundersonFH.com. Over 100 years as your hometown life celebration center. If your walls could talk, what would they say? I have sent children into fits of rage. I am responsible for a child's speech impediment. I am the reason a child can't read. Just because you can't see lead paint doesn't mean it's not on walls, doors, windows, and sills. Today, lead paint poisoning affects over 1 million children. If your home was built before 1978, log on to leadfreekids.org or call 800-424-LEAD. Brought to you by the Coalition to End Childhood Lead Poisoning, EPA, HUD, and the Ad Council. If Mary had a little lamb, you can bet she'd talk to her about it. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Time to catch up with our friend John Heinberg, market advisor with Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend. Don't forget their website, totalfarmmarketing.com. If you want to talk to John, the toll-free number, 800-334-9779. That's 800-334-9779. John, we're going to start off with what everybody's talking about in Wisconsin this morning, the weather, and despite the fact that it impacts all of our lives, if you've got to get around, you've got kids or anything like that, it's also potentially impacting the markets. Talk to me about it. Yeah, we see a little bit more impact sometimes in the livestock sector. Obviously, with weather coming through, it makes transportation difficult in terms of getting animals to the to the packer. So we see sometimes some cash bid there. Plus, if it got a longer range effect, you know, it slows down some of the weight gain and things of that nature. So it just can you know can kind of back up some animals a little bit. So that's something we have to watch. Sometimes you get a shorter term impact in terms of price, just trying to encourage the producer to get those uh, animals to the to the packer. And then at the same time, you know, maybe a little 
longer term too if we back up things here in terms of the supply chain you know cattle weights right now are pretty dog on heavy so that's you know something maybe we don't need here is getting more cattle backed up because that's kind of way the process has been working here and you know getting a little bit extra supply out there which kind of limits our prices well and we're not the only ones that have been seeing snow this kind of a storm hit the shall we say central midwest and upper midwest last week Yes, it did. And, and obviously it's coming through cattle country here before it gets to us. And, you know, we're seeing pictures in terms of the feedlots and the, the snow that gets in the way there and things that they have to manage. And, you know, and obviously, too, the stress on the cattle, too, because, uh, you know, the colder temperatures are going to come behind it. You know, so it's just always uh, one of those things that we deal with in the summer and the winter time. excuse me. And uh, that's one of those things sometimes can give us a little bit of a push in prices. Well, we'll have to keep an eye on that as this storm unfolds. Let's talk a little bit about What's not happening in the grain market? I was hoping that we'd see some direction after the beginning of the new calendar year when everybody kind of came back in online after the holiday. But boy, it's still a flat line when it comes to the pulse of what's going on in commodities. Yeah, the the agricultural sector continues to see some pressure. Obviously, the grain market is where we're seeing the most pressure right now. And I was a little cautious about this going into the first of the year. You know, the path was sideways to lower. But since we've hit the turn to calendar, the 24 here, the path, path has been faster to lower. Uh, as the funds have really started pushing their short position. They're really holding a lot of length now in, ter- in terms of shortness in the corn market, over 200,000 contracts, and now negative the bean market and have been holding that short in the wheat market for a long time and they just don't have any news to get that out at this time frame or to make them uncomfortable south american weather still seems to be the major driver obviously of the price things have improved or picked up some moisture even despite some really variable yield numbers coming out of that country again it's just a real hard thing to peg in terms of what that brazil production is going to be just because of the size of the nation and where they are in terms of their cycle some areas are harvesting some areas are still planting planting you know so it's just a hard picture to put together we do have the supply demand report this week we're going to see some estimates there we're going to be looking forward to looking at and seeing how you know maybe that can help us find some footing typically the january report is a market mover i think the market's going to really be focused on what's going on with that brazil crop what adjustments does the usda make there and then are there any surprises maybe lying in the weeds here on the u.s side Are you getting any rumors, any feel on any of that yet, John? You know, we're starting to see some of the pre-estimates. Again, this one's the full the full report, crop production, as well as, uh, you know, looking at the grain stock side of it. First off, my one question I've had, I'm kind of watching and just going to see how it plays out. And, you know, on the grain stock side, what was the first quarter usage for corn? You know, we've got a lot of supply out there right now. That's another factor really weighing on prices. It's just the overabundance of supply. Still talking to producers. You know, there's some guys left things in the fields because they couldn't get it moved anywhere. Um, uh, and they're still in the process of getting those some of those bushels harvested. You know, we're looking at a, a supply in terms of grain stocks that's about you know 1.2 billion bushels more than last year in this window. I'm literally looking at that feed usage side for corn. The USDA took about 400 million bushels off from 22 to 23, added another 100 million back in going in 23 to 24. But we've saw some big jumps in cattle numbers and hog numbers on these quarterly hogs and pigs report, as well as the cattle and feed numbers here at the end of the year. Maybe that feed usage side, especially with the good weather we've had, you know, could be a little bit higher. Could that be one of those surprises to help us bring that carry out back under 2 billion bushels, which in this case, with a market leaning the way it is, it could really maybe get a little bit of a price pop 
But I hate to say it, if we get anything that's on, to, on a good move on the core market to the upside, probably needs to still be met with selling pressure. Mm, mm. Now, let's talk. This is John Heinberg, market advisor with Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend. I want to remind you again totalfarmmarketing.com is their website, and you can call them 800 334 9779. His email, John H at totalfarmmarketing.com. So let's talk about the best scenario that we could see out of WASD this week, John. Uh, let's train our eyes specifically on what's happening with Brazil and Argentina, because like you said, right now, theirs is the great unknown. Very much so, you know, and obviously we don't talk a lot about Argentina and we really need to. You know, they've been through two years of drought, but crops are looking very good this year. Production's coming back to normal. Uh, so that's going to be the other side of this. Yeah, we're losing some ton some bushels there in Brazil in terms of that bean crop, but Argentina's going to easily absorb what's probably coming out of that country in terms of the, the loss there. So that's one of those pressures that's going to stay in the market. Yeah, we're going to be looking very closely at what the USDA does with Argentina. Do they slow or in Brazil? Do they slow play the weather in Brazil in terms of bringing the production down? We're seeing numbers down in the low 150s now from some of the private analysts down there. You know, the USDA is still well at, at the 160 level. So we'll see what happens there. We do also get the CONAB numbers, the Brazilian Ag Agency's numbers coming out this week as well. So we'll see if they make any more adjustments in that regard. Just regardless, though, there's still going to be some heavy supplies coming out here in the short term. We're seeing the impact on bean prices as well as just the lack of demand. We haven't had a reported sale for anything from U.S. here since the 19th of December, and I think that's all just what's weighing on price. So hopefully we can get something to turn this market around or at least find some footing as we get further here into the late winter and spring. Yeah, like I said, I was hoping we'd see some kind of a pop, but uh, at, at least as of today, not uh, necessarily mustering up. All right, John, very good. We appreciate the conversation. We'll wait and see what the World Ag Supply Demand Report holds in store for us and catch up with you next week so we can do a little bit of a, a post-mortem on everything that comes out. This sounds good. Have a great week. All right. John Heinberg, Market Advisor with Total Farm Marketing, joining us live this morning. Again, that website, totalfarmmarketing.com. Toll-free number is 800-334-9779. That's 800-334-9779. And his email is johnh at totalfarmmarketing.com. We appreciate him having a conversation with us today, even if it's not necessarily a positive conversation. Be safe out there. Again, depending on where you are, the snow is going to be measurable. Don't forget our Farm Talk text line if you want to tell us what's going on. That's 877-301-FARM. I know so many numbers this morning. 877-301-3276. This is the Midwest Farm Report with 